Hello and welcome to Fragmenters, the most entertaining podcast that I've found where you get to have a conversation with business women who are enthusiastic about life, work, and money. We love building up other women and getting them ready for their new careers. Cause, 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 no one can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it. Hello and welcome back, my friends, to Fragmenters. Today is going to be a lovely day, first of all because of our guest, but second of all because you guys are just going to love it so much you're going to like, subscribe, and review to help get our numbers up. If you don't, I totally get it, but if you do, I love you most. Today, we have an awesome guest. It is Courtney Jackson. She is the owner of Murado Media, and she is a digital marketing specialist. Welcome to the podcast, Courtney. Hi, thanks for having me. I am so excited to have you because, ladies and gents, she is living the dream. She's like on her own, making it work, getting the business, doing all the things. She took that leap that so many people have the dream to do, and I am so inspired by every Every TikTok I see of her, every reel, she puts out amazing content. Tell them a little bit about what you do. Sure. So I am a digital marketing specialist. I do everything from social media management to social media strategy, website design, podcast editing, podcast production. Basically, if it lives online, I do it. You know, I help write newsletters and manage email campaigns and email marketing, all that good stuff. So I am very online. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we kind of have to be these days. Yeah, definitely. Even my in real life people, I speak to them more online than I do in person. I, I think social media has a bad rap. Before I got into it, I was a MySpace or did not want to go to Facebook, was like, no, this is not going to happen. Finally caved after years. And when I got on there, I was just like everyone else. And I was like, this is just full of garbage and hate and blah, blah, blah. And then I realized that was because I was full of garbage and hate and blah, 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 and had to do therapy. (laughs) And the algorithm is Mm -hmm. based on your insides. So absolutely. The algorithm is 100% a reflection of what you are interacting with the most. And so if you're mm -hmm. interacting with negative things more often, then that's what it's going to push to you. Yep. So now I, I totally feel like it betters my life. Social media does because I do. I've gone back to where I have a lot of friends on there. I get to see a lot of kittens and puppies and babies and it's really happy. But I'm also inspired by entrepreneurs and other people who are doing killer things in business. Corporate world entrepreneur doesn't matter. You know, it's it's inspirational. So I think social media has bad rap and people need to look inside Now, Mm -hmm. what's your take on social media and why are you so enthralled with it? I think it's really funny that you say that because I too am like a social media hater and I can almost guarantee (laughs) if a new like platform pops up and I'm like, that's stupid. Nobody is going to use that. It 100% of the time will become a huge success. I, again, like I was, I mean, I was a teenager, but like when Facebook came around and at first it was only for colleges or whatever, and I was on MySpace and then it opened up for whoever. And I was like, nobody's going to not use MySpace, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, Facebook blew up. And then when, like when TikTok came around, I was like, you could not pay me to just watch videos instead of reading text. And I think part of that bias comes from because I am a writer. And so I was like, oh my God, I have to show my face all the time. I can't just like, 
like perfectly craft out my message via like writing what but then you know tiktok blew up and i was like oh crap i gotta get on tiktok so i love to like immerse myself in new platforms too even though like i'm always like 100 percent of the time i'm always gonna be like uh not another one not another way but they are they're so great at like forging these connections with people that you might otherwise never have the ability to interact with and i think that the algorithms are so powerful you really do have to be careful like you said our social media can totally change your perception of yourself of other people etc and so just as like as much as I love social media, I always have to be really cognizant of the kinds of social media that I'm consuming and the kinds of things that I'm allowing myself to interact with. So, you know, there's certain content that I like try really hard not to interact with or just scroll through. I don't like or comment or anything like that, even if I might find the information useful or something like that, because I, it's not good for me to have that constantly be pushed t- towards me. So just with digital marketing, anytime you think that something is a trend, especially on a platform like TikTok, it might be a trend that you're seeing, but nobody else is seeing just purely based off of how you have trained the algorithm. Yes. Yeah. It's so funny because my TikTok is completely different than my reels. Mm -hmm. And my husband, he's not on TikTok, but he's on Reels and he'll be like singing along to a song and he's like, oh yeah, it's blowing up everywhere. And I'm like, I've literally never heard this and I'm on TikTok. So I should have heard it two weeks before you did, (laughs) but I've never heard it because they're so different. Well, and my Reels is way different than TikTok too. Yeah, that happens to me too. I'll mention like... I'll quote a sound or something that I think is like really popular or blowing up or whatever. And somebody will be like, what is that? And I'm like, oh, I guess this is only happening on book talk. Right. Cause I, I, to right. be fair, I'm not on TikTok as my like business. My TikTok is a much more like personal account because I use mm-hmm. it for a lot of my writing. Cause I'm also trying to put out some books this year. So that's a little different, but yeah. So you're on book talk. I am. I'm on, I'm on mental health talk. Yeah. <laughs> Cat talk, dog talk. Mine, mine is mostly just really fun things. And then I just get my freaking mind blown about something that I didn't know about myself but then it's mostly cats and dogs so I can handle it yeah yeah it's great how did you decide to go into business and social media like what drew you to it actually I lost my job uh so I before I was working with nonprofits and I um was in fundraising and I had already slowly been considering getting out of fundraising because I loved it. And I love working with nonprofits. I love working with people and organizations that are like filled with a passion and are moving towards like working for like working towards that passion. But through some circumstances, I ended up losing my job and I had kind of started doing social media on the side already. And so, I mean, I'm a single mom. I didn't have time to wait for people to get back to me as I was putting in applications and contacting people via LinkedIn and, you know, doing all the things you're supposed to do when you suddenly don't have a job. And so, yeah, I just started pushing out my business stuff in hopes that I could make something work and it's been working so far. Awesome. I'm going, you know, as long as it keeps working, I'll keep doing it. That's way awesome. So you were doing it on the side. How did you find out you were good at it? Just did it? Yeah. I mean, so I, 
marketing and social media was part of my job, you know, in fundraising, I did things like mm. crowdfunding, I, you know, I've helped raise organizations almost a million dollars over the last 10 years for different causes. And so I know that I like know how to craft a good message. And also I think my work in fundraising, it really gave me an edge on being able to like look at data analytics and really mm -hmm. narrow down my audience and consider what my audience wants and wants to hear and what is motivating my audience. That's a huge part of working in a, with a nonprofit. And so I think that those kinds of skills gave me an edge when it comes to helping build strategy. I also have ADHD and I do love numbers. They're like a big hyper focus for me. And so I love to like dig down into an audience analysis and look at the numbers and look at the strategy. One of my very first work mentors back when I had just graduated college um, and one of my very first jobs out of college told me that the numbers tell the story. And so mm -hmm. when you're working with marketing or you're working with audiences, if something isn't working, you can always go back and look at your numbers to see what they're saying. And like, that will help you pinpoint where your message is disconnecting. And so that's a skill that I've always worked really hard at growing and it helps set me apart, I think, in what I'm able to do for my clients. That's fantastic. So you said that you like working with nonprofits. Do mm -hmm. you still work with them or who? I do. Who's your desired clientele? I have a soft spot for nonprofit work. I think I'll always have a soft spot, uh, a soft spot for nonprofits. But I started this as um, the whole idea of Murado Media came out and about when I was doing a community arts incubator program um, with Wild Goose here in Columbus, Ohio, and which is a local art gallery. And every summer they do this community arts program where they pair artists, like a mentor and a mentee together. And then they do like mm -hmm. a big showcase. And when I was part of that showcase and I was meeting other artists and talking to them, I would talk to them about their marketing and information that I considered like your, your run of the mill everyday information, like your basics, your one-on-one -on -one marketing mm -hmm. stuff would blow their mind. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's, be I just, I don't know. I had this epiphany moment where I was, it really made me realize how much people don't have access to the kind of knowledge that you get when you are working in marketing all the time and you have access to things like, you know, webinars or, you know, these big corporations that have, that do these case studies into different audiences and things like that. And just knowing where to go to look for that kind of information can really make or break somebody's whole platform. Yeah. It can really just change that. And so I made Murado Media with the intent of working with artists, authors, because I am an author, and just small businesses in general that don't have access to that information so that they can save themselves some time and some money of like making these basic mistakes in their marketing or in their digital marketing, their social media. I can help them avoid that because of my knowledge and expertise. That's fantastic. And I love that you brought up that you were talking to them and you're like, yeah, this is basic. Everyone knows it. And you are right. blowing their mind. Yeah. Like basic things like talking about like the 80-20 rule, which I think is at your most, your basic one one marketing. And that just says, you know, 80% of the time you're providing some kind of value and 20% of the time you're promoting yourself mm -hmm. asking, you know, for a sale or something. So even that very basic rule, people don't necessarily know about. And I forget that. It's one of those, if you live in it, if you're immersed in it, you just think everyone knows it. And yeah. 
we only have so much room in our brains. So it's great that you registered that and that you have a unique voice and can share that for everyone. And you're right. Having a small business, a little marketing mistake is huge for a small business. If you put your money into it, like some people will be like, oh yeah, we put X amount of dollars into this. Nothing came of it. That's fine. We're moving on to something else. For a small business, that may be all that they have. So to have someone who specializes in the strategy behind it to get to the right people is fantastic. And that you work with small businesses, great. Yeah, I love, like I said, and I think that my small business love just comes from that background of working with nonprofits. I think small businesses Mm -hmm. usually, they're just, they're filled with people who are working a lot harder. They have a lot more like passion that's driving them because they're really trying to make, you know, their vision for their business work. And I love that. I love that energy. It really fills my bucket. For sure. Do you have formal education in this? I uh, kind of. So my... (laughs) My degree is actually in anthropology. Um, and so anthropology, my courses, I focused a lot on cultural anthropology and it taught me how to like pull back and really look at things holistically and consider how, you know, culture can impact something, how different beliefs impact things. So that kind of stuff I still use to this day when I think about, mm-hmm. you know, building a unique audience and considering what, you know, an ideal customer might be or who my ideal audience is for a client. But then my minor in college was professional writing. And so I got some marketing expertise there, but I've been out of college for many years now. So you got a lot of hard knocks in there. It's been a while. A lot of people, they get that degree and then pivot because you're a child when you get your degree. Right. and that's. Not fair. (laughs) It really isn't. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If I could go back and do college again, it would be a totally different experience for sure. I mean, technically you can. I mean, yeah, that's true. (laughs) So what's been your biggest obstacle in getting this up and running and taking off with your dream? Honestly, I think my biggest obstacle is just finding the right clients and just getting myself in front of the right people. You know, when you work in digital marketing and you're working on social media or you're working on email marketing campaigns or whatever all day long for other people. Sometimes the last thing you want to do is turn around and have (laughs) to do it yourself. Like I know all the tips and tricks and I know like how to do it well, but I like, it's hard for me to find the energy to like keep, keep my own uh, social media, you know, super active just because I'm working on it and talking about it all day, every day with other people. So that can be kind of draining. And then just because of who I work with, you know, really keeping in mind their budgets. I like to think of myself as very budget friendly because I make custom packages for everybody who comes to me just because when you're working with a small business or you're working with an artist, you know, most of them, they just don't have the kind of capital to invest in marketing. And so I'm really always looking for the best way to get people the the best bang for their buck, I guess. Mm-hmm. while still keeping in mind the fact that like I too need to pay bills and have my yes, basic necessities yes. met. Yeah. Pricing is ridiculous. It is the hardest, especially when you're not, I mean, you are providing something tangible. It's on the internet. So you don't touch it. Like you're not giving them a sock that you knitted, but right. you are giving them an end product that they get to see. But you're giving them more than that. And mm-hmm. it's really hard to that extra, that brand awareness, that being out there, that stuff, 
it's hard to put a dollar sign on that when you can't quantify it to your clientele or to yourself sometimes. Yeah. And especially because, you know, social media marketing, it's something that it takes time to build off of itself. Mm. So, you know, the more you do it, the more it builds off of itself. And so it can take, you know, I do three month contracts just because it really takes three months to be able to fully start to see whether or not the strategy that you're putting in place is actually working. Um, So it can take up to three months to even begin to see results and to know how to pivot or what next step to take. So, you know, it's hard to really talk to people about investing in themselves and in their business to do that. Oh, yeah. Especially in this this time of instant gratification. Three months is a long time in social media. You know, everybody wants to go viral. I think that's my biggest question when people come Mm -hmm. to me you know, oh, can you make me go viral? And I always say no. And frankly, anybody who is promising that they can make you go viral is lying. And I would be immediately skeptical about them because honestly, what makes people go viral, um, you can know all the tips and tricks, but it has a lot to do with luck. It has a Mm -hmm. lot to do with, you know, what the algorithm happens to be pushing and highlighting on that particular moment in that particular day. And so, yeah, it's just, it's, it's difficult for sure. So what's helped you the most? I think what's helped me the most is continuing to learn new skills. So when I first started, I really doubled down on website design because it was the thing that I was least familiarized with. And so now it's actually one of the things that I love doing the most because it's it gives me some artistic freedom. I can really like play around with what the design aspects looks at. So just you know, when you're running your own business, there's so much that you can always be doing, you know, there's administrative stuff, there's your own marketing, there's your own products and services, there's forecasting and looking at what's next, there's trying to get in front of more clients. And so figuring out what your priorities are, can be really, really difficult. But for me, I always try to make sure that like continuing education and continuing to do research and keep on top of best practices and that kind of stuff is at the forefront of my mind. And that's how I continue to be able to provide the best expertise to clients because I can tell them, you know, this is what they're saying is upcoming. And as far as what SEO best practices are, or Mm -hmm. this is the new change to the algorithm. Do we need to hop on this change immediately? Or can we just write it out for a little bit, you know? So, oh my gosh. And being plugged into wherever that information comes from, that's gotta be, I don't know how you have the time of day. As soon as I figure it out, that's changed already every time. Yeah, yeah, it's hard. And I mean, they do that on purpose because they don't want people to necessarily be figuring out the algorithms, right? But, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's mostly just consuming a lot of media and just really staying on top of trends and like making note of things. So a lot of the times, a lot of what I talk about is, you know, things that I've noticed as a trend or things how like when I'm interacting, because I do interact with media at a much higher volume than other people do being able to talk about like my experience or what I'm seeing as both a user and somebody who is heavily working on the back end of things. So moving forward and talking about the algorithm and marketing, Mm -hmm. I think honestly, the biggest thing any small business can do or any creator can do is to just work really hard at being authentic. So right Mm -hmm. now I'm talking a lot about, you know, the difference between authenticity and aesthetic because some people think that they're exactly the same thing and they're not necessarily the same thing. Some people think that they're totally contradictory or 
mutually exclusive. They think that if you're working really hard at like showing a certain kind of aesthetic that automatically lessens your authenticity. And I don't think that that is necessarily true either. I think it's very much a give and take and a balance. And so being able to portray yourself as you want to be seen, but also being authentic to who you are, because I think that if you are trying to put on kind of like a personality or something like that for your audience as a small business, people can almost always see through that. And Mm -hmm. it makes it really hard for them to connect to you or to trust you. And trust is the biggest component of what will drive somebody to buy from you. I love what you just said there. You're putting out there, your aesthetic is you're putting out there what you want people to see of you because that's what it is. I'm very vulnerable. I share, I probably overshare. Sorry, guys, you guys know this, but that's just me. Even in my oversharing, there are lines I don't cross. Is that kind of what you're saying? Like where your aesthetic versus your... Yeah, kind of knowing where your lines are and like what you are willing to talk about or what you're not willing to talk about, but also just knowing that it is okay to come forward and talk about some of those things, you know, like Mm. it's okay for me as a business owner to talk about being a single mom and having to balance, you know, have a work-life balance because I have to have a kid. And that's an important part of my work that I do. And that's something that I talk to my clients about when they sign on to me because they need to know that I am a single mom and there might be a day where I can't necessarily get to an email immediately if say my kid is sick because I have to be able to focus on that. And so a lot of people will say, that's not a conversation you should be having with clients. Like your clients don't need to know your life. And I, on the other hand, come from the other perspective of, I can update my clients and say, Hey, just an FYI, I might be a little slow today. If you need me, feel free to text me or just know that I might be a little slow or I'm going to respond to emails at this time, or I'll get you at this time or whatever. But if there is, you know, an emergency, call me that kind of thing. I think that that's just, you know, professional courtesy and knowing, and I want clients who are okay with that, I guess. I don't know. Like I am a small business owner, but I'm also like not about the hustle all the time. I don't necessarily want to work 60 hour weeks or 80 hour weeks or whatever as a small business owner. So I just think it's for me personally and what I do, I talk freely about like my life and that kind of thing, just to, just to put it out there. But there are plenty of people who don't agree with that and they want to keep it all separate and they very much have like, this is my brand and it's my business and that's what it is. And that's fine too. So you have to know where you fall on those kinds of things. That's great advice. And there's clients for everyone. Some people are like, that's TMI or my shit's too critical. I can't have someone that has a bad day because they expect you to be a robot and you don't want that as a client either. So I love what you said. It's perfectly valid to have your boundaries and not share that or have the kind of relationship where you do because it's your life. Right. It really, yeah, it really, it just really depends for people. And I'm, and it's not to say that I give my clients an update every day about like what I'm doing, but that's not always what I'm doing either. But in certain circumstances, when I know that something needs to be pushed or rescheduled, you know, a meeting needs to be scheduled or something like that, I would rather just be real about the reason why. And that's just mm-hmm. me. Awesome. What advice would you give someone wanting to enter your profession? Either wanting to go out and say, 
screw corporate, I'm building my own business or into digital marketing specifically? Yeah, I have a lot of good advice that I wish I would have heard (laughs) right away. And I think that the first advice I would say is to know your worth. A lot of people will say Mm -hmm. that the market is really oversaturated or everybody thinks that they can be a social media manager, blah, blah, blah. Um, It's not that hard. And so you have people out here who are wanting to pay you not a lot of money for a lot of a lot of work. So just know your worth, know how much time it takes you to complete basic tasks and work that into your pricing. And especially if you're a woman, be competitive with your pricing, you know, really go Mm -hmm. for it and know why you are pricing things at certain points, you know, know, know what you need to have the kind of life that you want and then understand how many clients you're going to need at, you know, individual levels to be able to meet that. My other advice is to just be consistent. Honestly, show up, do good work, be consistently available. And really that's a that's great advice for just marketing Everybody. in general is the, you know, we've talked a lot about algorithms, but out of everything they value consistency. So if you do nothing else right, be consistent. And that it's the easiest part, just be there, but it's the hardest thing to do. Like in everything, they're like, you don't have to work yourself to death in the gym, just show up every day. Mm-hmm. No, that's the hardest part is showing up every day. You don't right. have to put out exquisite content every time. You just have to be consistent with your content. No, yeah. I'm not going to be consistent. I'm going to post once a week and then I'm going to post every day. And then I'm going to post in like three months. Mm. <laughs> that's the hardest part. You know, I try every day. I have like a little checklist and I think, okay, what's one thing I can do today to try to attract a new client? What's one thing I can do today to polish up my own branding? What's one thing I need to do today that is good for administrative purposes? And I kind of like build my to-do list based off of that because otherwise I can spend all day doing just administrative tasks or all day doing just outreach tasks. You know, when you're doing it on your own or with a really small team, it can be totally time consuming. So you just got to do what you can, where you can. And then the other advice that I am also the absolute worst at taking (laughs) is that done is better than perfect. 100% Uh, done is better than perfect. That is actually the biggest thing I am working on this year because I know all of the social media tips and tricks. I get in my own head about like what I think my social media needs to look like and like the level of execution And it feeds self-doubt and it starts making me think, oh, I shouldn't, like, I shouldn't, I shouldn't post this or I can tweak this a little bit and make it better and I'll post it tomorrow. And then it gets pushed off and then I end up not Mm -hmm. posting for a week myself. And that never happens with clients. That only ever happens for me. So done is better than perfect. And you don't have to take everything so seriously. People use social media as an escape. They use it for fun. So play into that and just be yourself, have a little fun and you'll be fine. Like you said, there are clients out there for everyone. For sure. And it's just something that you have to grow into and scale into. That's great. So you touched on it a little bit. You said women specifically, make sure you're competitive pricing. You're not undercutting yourself. I spoke with someone before and she was telling us some of the tips that she has for women in particular, because they like to undercut what they're asking for when they're applying for jobs. 
and it seems similar, you know, it's, it is the same. You're either asking your company to pay you a certain amount, or you're asking a client to pay you the same amount. Tomato, potato, you know, it's the Mm -hmm. same thing. But (laughs) in going with that, why do you think it's imperative for women to work in this field? Oh my gosh. What a question. Okay. So when you think of marketing, people tend to think of marketing as a very female dominated role. You know, they tend to think of women as, you know, social media managers and things like that. But those kinds of jobs also tend to get then undervalued and underpaid for just like women do in the corporate world. And so statistically men make up 57% of marketing Mm -hmm. and men dominate the higher end marketing jobs. You know, they are the ones who are running agencies. They are the ones who are doing luxury brands or focusing on luxury brands and that kind of stuff, or just have higher senior roles and the women don't. And so you have to show yourself as a professional and you have to be able to, to show that you can do the work and that your work is worth that money too, because it is. And it just, it changes because like, for example, 70% of web designers are men, I think mm-hmm. is the last statistic that I read. So only 30% of web designers are women. And so getting into that field and pushing yourself, that's one of the reasons I pushed myself to learn to be able to offer that as a service, even though it was something that I thought was, oh, it was too technical for me, or I wasn't going to be able to figure it all out, you know, to the level that I want. That wasn't true. It took me two months before I felt 100% comfortable in giving prices that were competitive, but not what I would consider low market prices either. You know, I I mean, and I don't charge $10,000 for a website. I charge $2,000 to $5,000 for a website, depending on what you need it for, or what all capabilities you need and how long the project is going to take. So just knowing that there's a client for everybody. And that means that there is a client for you at a higher price point and you do not have to settle for lower prices than what you can or should be taking. So if somebody cannot or will not pay you what you value your work as, then somebody else will. They're just not the client for you. And that's something I think that a lot of people when they first start their own business struggle with because owning your own business can be such a feast or famine kind of thing yes. that the idea of letting so, go, somebody go, even though they're willing to pay you, despite the fact that they're only paying you half of what you normally would, it's so tempting to say, well, at least I have something. Mm-hmm. But instead you can take all of that energy that you would be putting into giving them your service into attracting and finding and making connections with the people who will pay you what your services are actually worth. So don't lower yourself to being bogged down to clients that can't pay you the value of what your work really is worth. And part of that is knowing like industry best practices. I'm in a ton of marketing groups and I pay attention to what other people are charging for their prices and how they're packaging services and things like that. And so I try to make sure that what I'm packaging is fair and comparable to what other people are doing too. That's great. And that lack mindset, mm-hmm. I, I think you hit perfectly on it, where if you take on a client paying half of what you normally get, that leaves you no room to get that dream client that is like totally cool with you 
being a little bit lax on days where your kid's sick and they pay you what you're worth and they're not dickheads about it. And yeah, no, it's and honestly, the great. In my experience, the clients that are nickel and diming you over your contract are the clients that are going to be the hardest to work with anyways. Whereas mm-hmm. the ones who are like, cool, like you're done, you're here's your deposit are going to be the easiest ones who are working to pay you. I think of my work the same way as I think about consent in the sense of that, like, I only want to work with enthusiastic yeses. You know, in sales, there's a ton of people out there who talk about overcoming objections or things like that. But I honestly don't waste my time in trying to convince people to work with me. If somebody can't, I'm not going to sit there and try to say, oh, you can like just, you know, work your budget out this way or whatever. Mm -hmm. They have to be responsible for their own financial situation. You know, I understand where that's coming from because I also have to be responsible for my financial situation. And so just because somebody says no doesn't always mean never. It can just mean not right now. Mm -hmm. So people who can't pay me what I have set my minimum prices to, then I still keep in contact with them. I try to interact with their social media pages, et cetera. You know, I make sure that hopefully they can see my page and my profile and the information that I'm putting out there for free for tips and tricks and things like that, they can have access to too. And hopefully that will help them. And then when they're ready to take a step to really invest in what I can offer them, then I'm here for them. But I don't believe in, in the nonprofit world, we, we tend to call that ambulance chasing, which is where (laughs) you're, you're changing whatever you're doing just to get the sale or the money. But I don't believe in that. I'm only here for enthusiastic yeses and people who are really pumped to work with me and what I'm providing. That's a great standard to have. So you have given us a ton of good advice, but I want to know what is the best advice you've ever received? Oh my gosh, that's such a hard question because I Mm -hmm. have worked really hard at like building and joining and, you know, you know, joining in a network Mm -hmm. of other business owners and things like that. So I get good advice all the time that I try to like burn into my brain. Honestly, I'm going to go back to that whole scarcity mindset that we kind of talked about. I think that the best advice that I've ever gotten, and it was from Rachel Rogers wrote, we should all be millionaires, uh, which is a fantastic book. And if you are a woman running your own business or starting a side hustle or anything, I absolutely recommend reading it. She has a ton of value in there and her story is so inspiring. But in there, she talks about how, you know, when you start planning out your prices, make your pricing and then add in a certain percent, like Mm -hmm. take your prices and then add 20%. And then that's what you give your client or something like that. And so when I started looking at my prices, I started doing that to really make sure that I wasn't undervaluing myself and what I was doing. Because, you know, there's a lot that you have to consider. You have to consider, you know, taking out money for taxes and all of that kind of stuff. So it's not the same as just getting a paycheck. You have to build in all of those things that are required for running a business, you know, any technology that you're using or softwares that you're using or anything like that, you can work in to help your prices support all of that. Oh yeah. I mean, if you need to use it, your clients definitely have to pay for it. Yeah, Like nothing should be coming out of your own pocket there. It should all, and I, not to say every client is paying for your Canva account. No, you can say right. that's X amount of money a month. Maybe, you know, I add in a couple of dollars to every package that kind of counts towards what supporting that subscription is or whatever. So yeah, 
You figure no, that's, it out. Everybody does. That's it great own. advice. Even though I know it and I've done it, hearing that, I still got that little oh, scared yeah, feeling of because you're like, this is what I'm worth. This is what I need. Now add 20%. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just because women are, they don't teach women in business how to like aggressively make their prices. And so you just gotta do it. And honestly, every time I've raised my prices, it's worked out great. It's really hard to aggressively price when the expectation is to be non-confrontational. Mm-hmm. So it's it's that internal dilemma that we're trying to bust through so that we can get yeah. this. So this is great stuff, Courtney. Yeah. And you don't have to justify your prices either. You don't have to say, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to be X amount of money for this package because X, Y, Z. No, it's just this package is this amount of money and let them sit with that and let them say yes or no. Mm-hmm. You don't have to justify everything. It's just that's what your work is worth. So that's great information, but I'm kind of mad at you because my next question was, what's a book you recommend? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, we should all we should all be millionaires is I recommend that to like everybody. Yeah. Great book. What are you currently reading, though? Actually, right now I'm currently reading How to Raise an Anti-Racist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. By... Um, Oh, I'm going to have to look it up. How to Raise an Anti-Racist by Ibram Kendi. I apologize if I said his name wrong, but, you know, my kid is in school now. And so I'm Mm -hmm. constantly thinking about, you know, how we teach history and the systems that our school system can be based on and work us into, like the patriarchy. I've got a little girl, so I'm doing a lot of, like, personal anti-racist, anti-colonization, decolonization, I guess, of myself and my worldview and that kind of stuff. So that's what I'm looking at right now. Awesome. How do you like it? I like it a lot. It definitely gives you a lot to think about. And, you know, there's even as a white woman, but a single mom, I, despite all of my struggles, there's still a lot of privilege that comes in that I have to recognize that I have. So I think it's really important for people to look into that and consider because, I mean, we talk about, you know, how much a woman's work is worth compared to a dollar, but we also know that white women get paid more than black women and black women get paid more than Hispanic women. So knowing those kinds of things and taking those things into account and doing whatever you can to help change those systems or speak up for people who can't speak up for themselves. I just think it's really important. Yeah, no, that's great. So we've talked a ton about business. We just got super deep. Now I need to know, what do you do for fun? I don't say work, Courtney. No, no, (laughs) I don't do work for fun. I am a giant nerd. So I play a lot of tabletop role-playing games. Nice. So like D&D and Pathfinder and all those kinds of stuff. So I do a lot of that. I read a lot. I'm a huge romance book junkie. So, and I'm writing, I'm trying to become an author. So I've got a children's book that I'm writing and I've got a romance book, a couple of romance books that I'm writing. So I do, that's how I spend my time. Well, I mean, technically that's working. I guess, I guess technically the writing is kind of working, but I have a lot of fun with that. So I don't know. It's, that's a, that's a little gray zone. So my husband actually bought D&D. We haven't played it yet. It's kind of intimidating. We're waiting for someone to come in our life that can teach us. But right now we're playing Eternal Sonata. So it's a turn-based RPG. 
Mm-hmm. And it's actually only available on the 360 or PS3. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the best games I've ever played. Part of it is the graphics, the storyline. Oh my gosh, right now the story is so similar to the situation that's happening with the government. It's kind of politically themed, but Eternal Sonata, it's music related. I love it. Everything is music. And I am obsessed with it. So that is, if you ever play and you have an older console, Eternal Sonata, great great one. I love that. If I ever win the lottery, like big million dollar lottery, then I think that like I would start a business and just like invest a significant amount of money in getting women into playing role-playing games because I love it. And there aren't enough women who are playing role-playing games. So if you and your husband want to play a D&D game, I would happily run a one-shot for you so that you can <laughs> learn the system and know how it works. Well, let us know what a one-shot is. And then, <laughs> and then it's, we'll just like see. A, it's just like a short game that like it can take place over, you know, an evening or two. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> see, that's, that's how much I know. Alrighty. Well, that's really all the questions I have for you, Courtney. Do you have any last words for everyone? No, you guys can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook for Murata Media. And if you have any questions, I'm always happy to give what insight I can. Awesome. Well, again, that was my last thing was tell you to pitch yourself, but you're <laughs> one step ahead. <laughs> yeah, MuratoMedia.com is my website. Although I'm in the middle of redoing my website. So give me two weeks and it will look very new. <laughs> well, this won't be out for at least two weeks, probably oh, more. Well, there so. we go. Hopefully by the time uh, you put this out there, I have finished updating my website. It gives you a goal. Yeah, it gives me a goal for sure. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Courtney. I really appreciate it. And everybody, check out the description. I'll have her links in there. Okay, All right. You have a good night. Thanks. Bye. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for listening today. I hope you had as much fun as I did. If you liked this, please rate, review, and subscribe to ensure that you can more easily find me in the future. Thank you again. Bye. We got the right stuff.